Let's get things cranked up and going here. Uh, I'm on here today to really talk about, yeah, some jock jams. That would be cool. All right, listen, I'm here to talk to you today about college football um, and just kind of where things are right now. As everyone knows, USC has had a grand slam hire with Lincoln Riley. That came completely out of left field, but I got to give love to USC for what it is that they did. Um if any of y'all have followed me on Twitter, you know that I'm huge on giving college football coaches the amount of time that is necessary for them to get a program going. And it's not the amount of time that you, the fan, thinks that it is because you guys are operating from the outside. You're operating from the outside looking in. I'm operating from the outside looking in. Even when I have um, a kid at a program, all right? And in this particular case, yes, I'm talking to you Florida fans, all right? But um, not everything that I say with regards to a coaching situation and it being a little messy is all about Florida. There's also Miami, there's Texas, there's USC before they came up with this hire, um, and then Texas as well. Those are the five main places that I'm talking about. But um, I'll get to more on why I'm so adamant about those coaches getting time. It'll make sense for you people that give a damn. Um, when I talk about why it is I'm so adamant about it. And, you know, again, if you follow me on Twitter, this is all I've been on for the last few weeks. And, um, you know, like I said, I'll talk about the reasons why for that. Let's talk about what USC did. USC gave Clay Helton, I believe, six years. It's enough time. Um, at the, I always say at the end of year five, whatever you have at the end of year five, that's what you have for as that's what you have as a coach. So the guy was eight and fours. Most likely that's what he is as a coach. He's he's an eight and four kind of guy. And you've just got to decide as a program if that's okay for you. Is that gonna work with your with your program, um, with your fan base, with your administration? Can you be okay with being eight and four? Uh, so I believe Clay Hilton was seven and five. I could be wrong about that. I don't have it right here in front of me. Whatever it was, they were unhappy with it. So, you know, they gave him another year beyond that when it looked like it was going to be more of the same, something that they weren't willing to accept as USC. They cut it early. And what that allowed them to do was to sit back and look at the lay of the land, um, feel out some guys, throw some offers out there, um, work some things in the back channels. And I, what I really admire is the way they were able to keep things really low-key about it. Uh, we heard a lot about potential guys, and that's just the media and other folks out there just speculating on who would likely come to USC to be the next Trojans head coach. Names like James Franklin. Would it be Luke Fickle? Um, we heard all kind of names tossed around. We never heard Lincoln Riley. Um, and, you know, I just like stuff like that happening um, if we're going to be doing all these changing around of college coaches. So, uh, you know, an absolute grand slam hire. For USC for many reasons. Lincoln Riley's already been at a top program um, where he's been pressured um, to, to win every year, to be in a college, to, to have the team ready for a college football playoff, to compete for championships, whether that is their conference crown or to try and win a national championship. So already, he already knows that pressure. Uh, the best thing about it, though, is he's the quarterback whisperer. You know what it is he brings to the table in terms of quarterbacks, and with Southern California seeing their top quarterbacks leaving out of the state over the last couple of years, Lincoln Riley is exactly what USC needs. 
You need a guy in there that's worked well with quarterbacks, that's Southern California, who I really think puts out the best quarterbacks in the country. Sorry, Texas. And, you know, for you old heads that want to say Pennsylvania, sorry to you guys, too. This, the facts to me is that the best quarterbacks right now in high school football are either coming out of California or Georgia right now. And so to have that kind of quarterback talent staying at home and looking at USC first and going to USC only stands to reason that USC is going to get back on top rather quickly. Um, so, you know, I know there's been some problems there with recruiting for USC. I think if you start landing some quarterbacks, that's really going to help out all of the rest of the recruiting because, you know, it's a quarterback's world. I think if all these other positions see top quarterbacks coming to the school, then it's going to be a little bit easier for them to make that move. And of course, the big thing that everyone's talking about as to why this is a good move for Lincoln Riley is that right now you only have to deal with Oregon if you're talking about winning, you know, the the championship every year. No disrespect to Utah, but, um, you know, Utah is every now and then. They look pretty strong this year. But on a recruiting front, year after year, I think that's what people are talking about when they're saying you only have to compete with, you know, an Oregon. That's for recruiting and that's for annually fighting for the Pac-12 title. So that's an easier road for Lincoln Riley, who was finding things tough at Oklahoma. Forget, let's, before they even talked about going into the SEC, he was finding things tough to find himself in an advantageous position in the Big 12. Because unless you went undefeated, um, you were having an issue trying to get into the college football playoffs. They're always looking for ways for you not to be in it. So that was already muddy. And now you're talking about going to the SEC and being in the SEC West with the likes of Alabama and now LSU and Texas A&M, who's come to the forefront now with Jimbo Fisher, as well as games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss, who could take you down if you're not on point. And I'm not sure what they're doing with Texas, but you still got to deal with Texas. That's a whole lot of competition, not only to win on the field, but for recruiting, it just seems like a daunting task. Um, what a gamut, um, gauntlet you've got to run through just to find yourself in a conference championship. Then you got to win the conference championship to get into the college football playoffs. You go to USC, again, you're really only dealing with Oregon and maybe that one team every year that jumps up. What is going to eventually happen when Lincoln Riley gets into USC and starts turning things around, that's going to start being a place to go. That's what typically happens. What happened when Pete Carroll came, you started finding other coaches coming to the Pac-12. You started finding uh, more players coming to the Pac-12. And it just, you know, upgraded the entire conference. If Lincoln Riley is successful in his time uh, at uh, USC, then you're just going to see that. But for now, he has a chance to get out in front and be a real leader in this. So what does this mean for Oklahoma? In a way, I feel bad for them, but not really I mean, Oklahoma did what they had to do. They snuck out of the Big 12. Um, they didn't give anyone a warning. And that's kind of what happened to them here with Lincoln Riley. I, you know, there were secret meetings. He disappeared for one entire Tuesday. And it turns out that he's heading to USC. Folks, you guys in Oklahoma that are unhappy about this, this is just the way that it goes. He cannot talk to USC and tell Oklahoma that he's talking to USC. It's just not something, the system is not set up that way. That's going to get Oklahoma nervous. And then that puts him on, you know, not solid ground with, um, with Oklahoma. Now, what if he doesn't get that USC job? 
becomes a really bad deal for him. So I think um, he kind of did things the way he had to do them in this climate that we're in, which is part of what I don't like about college football. And it's why I am so adamant right now about let's stop firing coaches. So I've got a whole fan base, a University of Miami fan base and Florida fan base. It's all triggered and pissed off on me at Twitter. My whole reason for this not firing coaches is you are providing an unstable environment at your school, at your program. Whether the fans out there think this is true or not, I'm here to tell you that it is. When you're cycling out coaches every three, three and a half years, and you're finding yourself firing coaches over and over, your job becomes less desirable. Forget about what you guys think about your recruiting base and all the talent is in the state of Florida. Hey, first of all, all of that talent is not accessible to you. You guys are thinking like in the 90s when it was Florida, Florida State, and Miami just fighting over the talent in state. Social media and the internet has opened up the borders. You're fighting for that talent right now with Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, South Carolina, North Carolina. All of these schools are coming down into the state of Florida and they're pulling guys out of here. First of all, the top schools like Clemson and LSU and Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia are getting the top guys because they're getting the top guys. However, you guys want to, you know, like I, like I said on uh, my podcast with Amo Calamino on Thursday, you guys can read between the lines there. They're getting those guys. They're landing them. They have the resources, um, stuff that we may not have down here in South Florida. And we may not have in the state of Florida with the big three that we have down here. They're landing the top guys. And then on top of that now, guys that would be depth pieces that would come on in the past and maybe wait two, three years to get their starting nod, they're not willing to do that anymore. They'll go to Pitt first. They'll go to North Carolina. They'll go to South Carolina. They'll go to these other places where they could play right away. They're not willing to sit on your roster at Florida, Florida State, and Miami. So all this, you think you have access to all of the talent that's in the state of Florida and the state of Florida pumps out the most talent? That might be true. Doesn't mean you have access to them. You don't. So when you turn around and you keep firing coaches, what are you, there's no stability. Families don't want to commit to a place where they might lose the coach. One of the big questions that a player and a family ask when they are being recruited is, coach, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there, coach? That's often uh, greeted with some type of lie. But when there's a history that you could look at there, and the history says, you guys fire coaches, you've had four coaches in eight years, man, they're not going to commit to that. Yeah, Chances are very, very high that you're going to lose your coach in college football, whether that's your position coach, your coordinator, um, or your head coach. Chances are high on that. Don't make them higher by continuously firing coaches over and over on top of everything else that you have to compete with when you're a Florida or you're a Miami or you're a Florida State. You don't want to help the other guys by continuously firing coaches. If you're Florida State and you're Miami, you're not the SEC. So you want to add to that that, oh, this coach might not be here? You're asking a coach to, you're asking a kid to commit to you. You're asking a kid to come 
to your school where you've made all these promises. You are the one that made the promises. The head coach has made, you know, some kind of promises. And I'm not talking about playing time. I'm just talking about that we'll grow you into a man. We'll provide you with what you need. You will fit this kind of way in our offense, defense, etc. Whatever the case may be. And then he's gone. He's fired in two years. When they can look at the history and say, wow, this school's had four coaches in eight years. I don't, I don't know if I want to commit to that. He might not be there. Might not win. And the moment he doesn't win or things aren't going very well there, they tend to fire their coach. And then the kids that do commit to you and they're there and you're turning around and, and fired. Like a kid that took his COVID year at, let's say, the University of Florida. So he did six years at the school, had three different head coaches. It's not the situation that they want to be in. They committed to play for a certain coach in a certain system and have things a certain way. And then there's another coach coming in. What if I'm a pocket passer and this Coach comes in and he wants to, he needs a mobile quarterback to run his system. What if I'm a 4-3 defensive end and the next guy coming in wants to run uh, an odd front? Now he wants to make me an interior defensive lineman. That's not my strength. What do I do? I don't fit into his system. He wants to play someone else. Most of the times these guys come in and they want to recruit and play their own guys, right? When you're recruiting a guy, you're telling him he's going to play. So you're bringing him on campus as a freshman. You told him he's going to play. He's going to play. Guess who he's playing over? The guy that's already on the roster that committed to the last coach. Now he gets dumped on. Kids know this. They know that that's the situation. They've been told that by other guys that have played ahead of them. So now you want to go handcuff yourself by firing coaches over and over? Look, I've done the research on this, guys. It takes five years. For a coach to really get get everything the way that he needs to get it done. Yeah, I know. Some coaches come in and they win early and they win fast. There's been two guys that have done that. Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. And by done that, I mean has been able to do it, win early, and sustain that success. It's been those two guys. Primarily. Other times you'll get a guy that'll win early and they'll, everyone will start comparing. Hey, Mel Tucker, look at what Mel Tucker did. Walked into Michigan State and right, it's been there one year. We don't know what the deal is. Mel Tucker walked into a really damn good quarterback and, and running back. He might have had a ton of seniors. That's what happens sometimes. You walked in and there was a really good crop of recruits there. Or you walked into a team that had a bunch of returning starters or a very mature team with a bunch of seniors and you win early. Then two, three years, four years down the road, it's a bit of a struggle. Now we find out, ah, the coach, maybe he's not that great. You thought in year one or two that this was it. He was that guy. And it doesn't mean he's not. It's just he walked into a situation. Takes five years, guys. You don't know what you have. In years one, two, and three, you're really playing with the last guy's recruits. Years four and five, now you're really starting to talk about, okay, these are my guys. This is my coaching staff. This is my culture that I've created. It takes that long. I'm sorry for our little microwave society that doesn't get that. Just because you win early doesn't mean you're going to win later on. Just because you're losing early on 
doesn't mean you're gonna you're not gonna be a winner later on. So for my University of Miami fans that aren't too pleased that I'm talking about keep Manny, we don't know what we have with Manny. Yes, I know you're getting upset about something. The defense could play better, of course. I'm not an idiot. I played on the defensive side of the ball, coached on the defensive side of the ball, trained on the defensive side of the ball. I see it. We're not that good on that side of the ball. But you know what? Let's give the guy a chance to fix it. We had a problem with offense. You fired the offensive coordinator, brought a new guy, and got it fixed. Had a problem with defense. He decided he would be more involved in that. I think he realizes now that's really not the way to go. Give him a chance to fix it. Yep, the recruiting class sucks right now for 2022. You know what? Last year brought in some real program changers. You guys saw them playing this year. You guys were asking for them to get on the field over the seniors that were there. There's some program changes in there. He brought them there. So yeah, this looks like it's going to be a down cycle in terms of recruiting for this year. Maybe next year will be different. Maybe if you guys stop calling for his head, recruits that are out there that might have been thinking about going to the University of Miami, who have always dreamed about playing at the University of Miami, can feel comfortable about committing to a coach and not get on Twitter and see the a legion of fans wanting him to be fired and a constant speculation by media members who are also on Twitter talking about him possibly being fired and replaced. Very difficult for a recruit and their family to commit to that. Why don't we just let things unfold? You know who let things unfold? USC. USC gave Clay Helton every chance to fix things, turn things around, get things together at USC. And you know what? That was attractive to Lincoln Riley. I'm pretty sure of it. Had USC fired Clay Helton in two or three years and Lincoln Riley was out there looking to make a move, I don't know that he would have been that attracted to USC because in his mind he's going to say, I, they're, they're not really going to give me a chance to get things done there. Because as a coach, you don't know what you're facing until you actually get that job and get in the building. There's one way that it looks to the outside, then there's the way that it looks once you get in there. House looks great on the outside. You sign that deed, you sign that mortgage note, and you're in there and you start hearing stuff behind the walls. You tear the walls open, there's termites in there. You don't know what you have till you get in there. And what it might look like to you as the fan sitting at home watching the games on TV is might, might not be exactly how it is. There could be any number of problems that exist. So you fans that are in such a hurry and you want to quote-unquote go Christmas shopping every time this year because uh, you can't live up to all of the shit that you talked on Twitter during the summer about your team going to do this and that. A lot of you guys like to go on Twitter and babble off about what your team's going to do, and then when it doesn't happen, oh, you're mad now, now you want the coach fired. Hey, man, the coach didn't go say all that stuff. You did. That was you popping off to your rivals. You want to win your little Twitter battles, so uh, a coach has to get fired over that. And the kids in the program have to have some turmoil. And then the recruits who were interested in going to the school are now looking like, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if this is the school that I want to go to, that I want to commit to. Stop talking so much trash. You know what I wish we could do? I wish we could just go back to fans yelling at their television screen, booing if they're at the game, going and getting drunk and kicking their dog, and that's the end of it. We don't do that no more. 
We get on Twitter and we go crazy. And we don't just do it for one day. We go on for days and days about it and months. Got University of Miami fans talking about how Manny lost to FIU. That was in 2019. It's 2021. Can you talk to me about them beating Pittsburgh this year at Pittsburgh with a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback? You guys don't want to talk about that. You're still talking about FIU and Louisiana Tech. It was the man's first year coaching. I don't know if Manny Diaz is the coach for the University of Miami. I know three years is not enough to make that determination. We haven't had enough time there. At the end of year five, he's six and five, seven and five. That's not what this program wants. Let the guy go. Go ahead. You can do your firing then. It's just really not a good look that every guy that comes in here leaves fired. You know, there was a time when a university of Miami, a guy came in and coached the University of Miami and he left and went to the pros and did really good things. Them days are gone, I guess. You come in here, you leave one way in a body bag. You leave in a casket after you coach at the University of Miami. Why don't we put 100% of our effort into a guy that's here, make sure he has some kind of success. That means you got to do something crazy like support him, even when he isn't winning all the games that you want him to win, and he's not winning by the amount of points that you want him to win, and it doesn't always look impressive Still somehow support that guy and have him, if he decides to go, like go, go, go coach at another program. Leave not being fired. How's that for a thought? If you guys really want to bring the program back, how about we do that? Have guys leave for another job because they were successful here. Give them a chance to get there. I remember Butch Davis being... Five and six, his third year at the University of Miami. Now, I had this discussion with a fan on Twitter wanting to tell me that we're on probation. Yeah, I know we're on probation. We lost 24 scholarships over a two-year period. Let me tell you something. That's the same as what we have going on now. I just explained it to you. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan. All these places have access to our recruits. I guarantee you. We're missing out on at least 15 or more recruits in-state every year. That's the same as like being on probation. It is. Because back when Butch Davis got the job, they weren't coming into the state and getting guys like that. There was no internet to deal with. There was no Nick Saban to deal with. There was no SEC dominance to deal with. Kids weren't getting into bands in the summer and going on an SEC tour and seeing all of the palaces that they had out there. And it just wasn't like it is now. You guys don't realize that. It's just like being on probation because you're not getting those top guys right now. I can go on as to why you aren't able to get them. That's probably another show. That's going to take a lot of time to explain and to really get the point across to you guys. But that is what it is at the moment. That's the situation at the moment. So, um, you know, I just wanted to get on here and talk about that. You know, this, I haven't done a live in a while. It's been a while. So this is just impromptu. This is something that I'm going to do on the regular coming up uh, next, next year. 
starting in January, I'm going to be doing this on the regular. So I'll be addressing things like issues in college football because it's something that's you know very meaningful and I'm passionate about it. Um, also talk some DB stuff on here as well. So I'll have a schedule of shows where I talk um, maybe more defensive back stuff and um, getting recruited type stuff versus stuff like what I'm talking about today, which is just general issues in college football. For you folks out there that are listening to podcasts, um, we do one every week. Amo Calamino and myself on Thursdays. It's, it usually airs. We're on Anchor, um, and I'll have links down in the description, but we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, anywhere that you stream podcasts, we're there. I just wanted to throw that out there to you. But um, you know, getting back to the topic at hand, we've got to stop you know, running around firing coaches. I admit a little bit it is fun talking about this, like the news that's just come out today. While the Lincoln-Riley hiring is still in flames and everyone's talking about it at USC, word comes out here within the last hour that LSU is targeting Brian Kelly for his job. I think that is a, a, that would be a good hire. Brian Kelly is someone that I thought um, would work at USC. Quietly, And without much fanfare, Brian Kelly has been able to amass an Urban Meyer-type resume, the type of resume Urban Meyer had when he was coming up and eventually landed at Florida. Brian Kelly has won wherever he has been. And if you're you're winning at Notre Dame in this day and age, with all of the things you have going against you, recruiting-wise, not being in a conference, etc., etc., then you're doing a damn good job. So if LSU is lucky enough to land a Brian Kelly... And I'm imagining they would have to do this soon if this leaked out. I don't even know why it would leak out. But if, it, if, if this is true, then I'm thinking they need to hurry up and get this done quickly if that's what's going to happen. So um, if Brian Kelly is left out of the college football playoff, um, he may be willing to say, hey, I've peaked out at Notre Dame. It's time for me to move on. So on and so forth. Who's the next guy at Notre Dame? I have no idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that probably needs to be Luke Fickle. And on this news that Brian Kelly may be leaving Notre Dame, Cincinnati certainly has to be on the phone and having meetings with Luke Fickle's agent and people trying to sew him up into a long-term deal. And that leads me to um, the last thing that I want to talk about in this live. And that is, I think the Big Ten has stumbled upon something. Looking at them offering the two 10-year contracts and having these two coaches sign these 10-year contracts at Penn State and Michigan State alike, I think it's, it's going to be a situation where we could see the Big Ten start to pull back some of the power that's been relinquished over the years to the SEC. Nothing says stability more at a program than a coach on a 10-year contract. It kind of bonds the coach to the school. It definitely bonds the school to the coach. And I think Penn State and Michigan State with coaches on a 10-year contract are really going to feel like we probably will be willing to stomach a fallback year here or there. James Franklin or Mel Tucker can have a five and seven year and not not everyone, and and they don't have to listen to everyone losing their mind. Hey, look, he's on a 10-year contract. He's five and seven. We're just going to deal with it. The problem is you fans out there don't want to have to deal with any adversity. I wrote a great article. You can find it on gridironstuds.com forward slash blog. 
comparing some not-so-celebrated schools that have had long-term coaches. I'm talking about Iowa. I'm talking about Oklahoma State. I'm talking about Northwestern. Um, who else did I have in that? A couple of others. Versus these top-of-the-name schools, Texas, USC, um, Florida, Miami, Florida State, that have had at least three coaches in the last 10 years. So there's no world in which Northwestern, Iowa, Oklahoma State, TCU, who's also a part of this article, and Northwestern have the same amount of resources as Florida, Miami, Florida State, Texas, and USC. However, when you look at the records over the last decade, they are doing as well or better than those five celebrated big-time schools. Why? They've had one guy in place over that time period. There's a stability there. You get good, you get players that want to commit to that. I know who my coach is going to be. I know if I go to Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy's my coach. I know if I go to Iowa, Kirk Ferentz is my guy. And if I like Kirk Ferentz, I can commit to that. I know he's going to be there. And now you're saying the same thing at Penn State. You're saying the same thing at Michigan State. I think that's the move of the future. It's kind of cool to see the Big Ten leading the way on that. We could see the Big Ten starting to prop itself up because now we've got Ohio State and Michigan looking good. We've got Iowa that's solid every year. We've got Wisconsin that's solid every year. We, Penn State, solid every year. And you're going to have your coach there in place. Michigan State came on this year. They look good. And, you know, hopefully they're able to keep that going. Whatever the case may be, I feel pretty good that they will because they signed their coach to a 10-year contract. He's going to be there. They're going to get good players, solid players, to commit to Michigan State because they know who's going to be there. We may see a situation where they could slowly start pulling some power back away from the SEC who wants to fire their coaches every three years because they're not Nick Saban. They're going to start doing that in the Eastern half too because they're not Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart has gotten, he's got it going. So it's going to be Kirby in the East. It's going to be uh, Nick Saban in the West. And that's what it's going to be every year and everyone else. The moment you reach year two or three with your coach and he's not Kirby or he's not uh, Nick, they're going to fire their guys. And it's just going to be this constant cycle. And I'm telling you, recruits, they don't want to deal with that. Families, they don't want to be dealing with that. I didn't, I don't want to commit to a place and then have another coach there and then another coach there. And then another, it's now the Big Ten, it's going to have a more solid, stable situation. So, you know, Florida, you just got rid of Dan Mullen. Not, you know, listen, I, I don't want to make this a Florida show. I'll talk maybe, maybe I'll get on tomorrow and talk a little bit more about the Florida situation. However, you just hired Billy Napier, all right? Don't know enough about Billy Napier. I know he went to uh, Southwest Louisiana and got the job done there. That much I know. Turned that program into a double-digit winning program every season. We'll see what that means when you come to Florida. I know Jim McElwain did the same at Colorado State. Turned them into a perennial winner. Was winning double-digit games, doing really well there. Came to Florida, couldn't last there. Fans needed him out of there. So, Billy Napier is not a sexy name. Certainly not Lincoln Riley. Certainly not Brian Kelly. It's not any of the big names out there. The feeling I've gotten from 
The fan base is there lukewarm on it. So that means, Billy Napier, you got to win early, you got to win fast, and you can't have any embarrassments or the fans are going to be up in arms. They cannot help themselves. Going to need to beat Kentucky, my friend. And you know what? Kentucky's no joke anymore. It's not your father's Kentucky where you go and it's a stat game. Kentucky's the real deal with a real coach. What you might be hoping for is that Stoops gets one of these jobs that are open or that will be open when someone else's coach gets poached. Because it's not just going to be real easy to go beat the, the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm sorry, you guys. That's just the way that it is. You better hope Josh Heupel doesn't get things together in Tennessee. Or you need to hope that Josh Heupel is the next coach at Oklahoma and leaves Tennessee high and dry. That's what you need to hope for. Billy Napier, because you're not a sexy hire. And um, I've been dealing with this fan base for the last seven years. And I already see what it's what they're about. Constant complaining. If you're not 2008, 2006, or 1996, they don't really have a whole lot of patience with you. So you better win early. You better not get embarrassed. You better not get blown out by somebody. You better not lose to somebody that they think you should be beaten. And you better not go to the fourth quarter with that group of five team that you, that you play towards the end of every year. Oh, yeah, and you got to beat Florida State. Oh, and you need to be in the top ten in recruiting. If you're not doing all of those things, um, they start holding coaching searches while you still hold the job. That's what happens. All right, so listen, um, this is a short live, 30 minutes long. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, go ahead and drop a comment on it. I'm going to put links to the podcast uh, in the in the description and this is going on my podcast if you want to listen to it later on of course you're free to watch this again on youtube but um enjoy that i'm going to be doing this more on a regular basis like i said looking to do that more in uh 2022 when i can find time during december i'll be doing these again may have another one tomorrow i don't know one thing i do know for sure is the gridiron stud show with emil calamino and chad wilson will be airing on uh, our podcast, anywhere you stream your podcast um, on this Thursday, for sure. We'll have winners. We'll talk more about these issues in college football. I'm imagining college football will dominate the broadcast on Thursday. That's for sure. Because it's all about college football right now. All right, before I go, by the way, um, you want to know why I love college football? You only needed to be sitting down and watching games on Saturday. Saturday was one of the few times this year I was able to sit down on the couch for an entire weekend because I wasn't traveling and watch games from noon till midnight. Thrilling, wasn't it? And it ended, the night ended with the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma game, Bedlam. Um, it was great. It was great to watch all these rivalry games and the plays that were made and all of the stuff that's great about college football. And I'm looking as much as I can to preserve that. And that's just really what I'm on. So, um, I love college football. We'll be talking a bunch of it on Thursday, so be sure to check that out. All right, hope you guys enjoyed this short live. Going to be taking off, and um, thank you guys for, for chiming in. Share this with a friend. Come back again next time I'm on. For the Gridiron Stud Show, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. 
First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started.